Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Thicket, episode three, if you're just joining us. Welcome, welcome. My name is Bryce. Every week, we're exploring the two strange-to-be-true stories in and around Robbinsville, North Carolina, which happens to be my new hometown, and a very odd uh, little rural town in North Carolina that has a strange relationship with animals. There's like seven zoos within the city limits of this tiny town. I, I haven't actually counted. I don't know that number for sure. I just feel like I drive by them all the time. Um, I'm Bryce Derrickson. I said that already. I'm the host, and I'm curious about all this, and you guys are along for the ride with me. Today, we're going to be meeting an owner-operator of one of the zoos, a zoo masters, as they're called, and we're going to learn a bit too much about his personal life. <laughs> but before we get there, here's what you missed in episodes one and two to catch you up. Zoos. Okay. Okay. And the people yeah. who work at them are crazy. The people who run them are crazy. The whole town mascot is all animals. And so it's not <laughs> like I'm from Michigan and I'm a Wolverine. It's like I'm from Robbinsville and we're every animal ever created. I tried it. RTA is a fake tourist office that redirects you to a zoo. One zoo, Robin Falls. Clever. And a shady little business tactic by the zoo master himself, Charles Sundrich. Can you name some of your clients? Charles Sundrich, Horton Silva. I, I can't count them all. Well, let's take Charles Sundrich at Robin Falls. How many animals did you sell to him in the ballpark of 20 animals? Mm, that, that's about right. But I'll tell you one thing I realized. What's up? Zoos are serious business. You know that famous JFK speech? The one with the line, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. It's always struck me how forceful that is. First, the grammar is infallible and unflinching. Second person tense, infinitive action verb, the perfect syllable step-down pattern. Then you get to the repetition of this phrase, can do, which was a big World War II slogan, something Kennedy's audience would have known implicitly. They know all about can do. This is the can-do generation that beat the Nazis and forced back the Japanese. Also, can-do is the motto of the Seabees, the naval construction battalion that built bases, paved roads, and helped solidify the infrastructure for the American war effort, especially in the Pacific theater. John Wayne also says can-do in the movie The Fighting Seabees in 1944. He says it a lot, something like 44 times. Though that's a total guess, I didn't rewatch it and count. Can do hyphenated is even in the Merriam-Webster dictionary, having or showing the ability to do difficult things. The brilliance of the JFK phrasing is that it doesn't become scolding, like your country isn't going to do difficult things for you. Instead, the logical lining of the phrase is that your country is going to do these difficult things. It's a given. The country is absolutely going to be can do, but you, listener, don't expect it. Instead, empower it. Take initiative, participate, investigate. Don't be afraid to step up because it is the right thing for all of us, not just the individual. We are all in this together and damn it, it's gonna take all of us to be can do. Ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Ask not 
what Robbinsville can do for you, but what you can do for Robbinsville. I saw that on a t-shirt today on Main Street. Yep, someone was wearing it unironically, but more than that, they were being sold for $15. And they were out of extra larges. I'm not kidding. This is where I live. Welcome to episode three of The Thicket. That can-do sentiment is very much present here in Robbinsville. Now, the citizens might have varying ideas of how to implement it, but each person here is very aware of the purpose. Zoo buying season. Zoo week, as it's been dubbed unimaginatively, it lasts far longer than a week. Each year, the larger out-of-state zoos send acquisition people to check out what the local zoos are offering and if they should do any business, buy any animals for their own exhibition. This is the biggest influx of capital for the economy for those reasons, but also the highest number of tourists, the most biologists naturalists, the most school children on field trips. So in turn, it's the best opportunity to sell t-shirts and stuffed animals and flattened pennies with a horned rat on them. It's high season. And in general, the biggest collective tightening of the butthole, as my upstairs neighbor described it. Now, I grew up in a small town and our local basketball team was often in the state playoffs. Everyone talked about it. The Dairy Queen would put a message up on their marquee, take state. It was on the front of everyone's minds. Now, we almost never won, but each year people believed it was possible. That's what it's like right now in Robbinsville. Lincoln Park Zoo was here last week and it wasn't pretty. They made no acquisitions and left quickly as if called out of town on urgent business. All the welcome swag meant to butter up those buyers didn't really pay off. There were big banners all over the place, even individualized seat cushions on the pedicabs. And I heard the golf course had a bag of golf clubs tailored to each buyer's specific height. Big deal. Epic fail. Except, not to worry, Dallas will be here in two weeks. Can do. Today I'm very excited because we're finally going to hear from a zoo master, one of the guys we've been talking about from the beginning, Charles Sundridge. As part of his work for BCTV, Will Wintergreen had a chance to talk to Charles in the wake of the Lincoln Park Zoo debacle. Again, Will is my upstairs neighbor and moonlights as a local access reporter for a station in Asheville. He gave me this footage and I'm playing it before it goes over the airwaves, so in essence, this is an exclusive. Kinda big deal. Without further ado, Will Wintergreen talking to Charles Sundrich, zoo master of the Robin Falls Zoo. Uh, so, uh, uh, Charles, uh, do you have any comments uh, following uh, Lincoln Park? I'm disappointed. It's not what I thought would happen. I like the Forsyth Leopard, obviously, but I was much more hopeful for the Thunder Crow and the Horned Rat because of stability, if nothing else. The Thunder Crow has sightings reported as long as three years ago, and the Horned Rat at least that long. But I guess the good people at Chicago don't know draw when they see one, do they? What, what the hell do they pick up after all? Oh, they didn't pick up anything. Nothing. Really? No. I'm surprised. I'm shocked, really. I mean, the leopard glows in the dark. It glows in the dark. It's just so simple. You build a concrete hut, you let people walk in a hallway that gets darker and darker, and by the end of the hallway, it's pitch black. You let them feel their way around like a bunch of 
deaf and blind people until they turn a corner and boom! There's three big cats that glowing like a Kanye West video. Don't you think they'd tell their friends? Hell yes they would! You think they'd come back? you damn rights, man! It's just a no-brainer, I just, really, I, ugh. That dark hallway, that's interesting. Is that uh, part of your pitch? No. Do you, do you uh, typically include ideas for exhibition uh, when you have an animal, especially one as unique as the Forsyth? No, typically we don't. We don't have the resources at Robbins Falls to showcase these animals in a way a place like Lincoln Park could. But the leopards have been in our possession for 18 months, and they've expanded our business quite a bit. I mean, we, we can now invite people in at night. Who wanted to come into a zoo and watch a big cat sleep before? But now they come in, they fumble around in the dark, they see the leopard stalking prey, or they listen to the swan frog song. The swan frog. Yeah. Yeah, it's also unique to your zoo. Are you disappointed that one wasn't chosen either? You know, I didn't have high hopes for it. She's got a really pretty song. At the end of the day, just as ugly as f The horned rat being one of the original 17, that seemed sort of more than an extra thing after the leopard. Isn't there a danger with the horned rat um, that uh, they chew through the glass? I mean, that's a safety concern. Mm. It's been known to be very hard to keep confined within a pen. Yeah, buddy, of course it's hard to keep in a pen. That's the whole point. Gorillas, they're going to grab at least a baby a year. That's why people want to see them, right? They're dangerous. I only want to see gorillas that have killed a baby or two. Maybe that's just me. Animals, though, they're dangerous. They're wild. That's why we go to zoos, to see the wild beast. Cincinnati didn't bring in that white-legged tarantula because it was cute. Now they brought in the one, the very one, that killed the dude down in Raleigh. In fact, we had a chance to showcase the gorilla that fruitcake that drove the golf cart. Oh, you're talking about Mooney? That's Mooney. The, 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 um, the gorilla that learned golf and can drive a golf cart. A dopey. big uh, attraction down south. Yeah, beauty. What a dopey animal. There were two weeks between him going from Sarasota to Shanghai, and I know the zoo master, and he gave me a window. And you know what I asked him? No, tell me. Hey, zoo master, what the f*** am I going to do with a golf-playing gorilla? Has he run over someone with the golf cart? Huh? Take a big swing at someone with a driver? I want to give my patrons some shock and awe. I think that's what they're looking for. I want to give them an animal that's a ticking time bomb. I want a family to come into the zoo, everybody smiling, and not know if they're going to make it out alive. That um, is very interesting. It's a very unique niche in the zoo community. Um, I feel like m many of the established zoos in the thicket are much more interested in drawing people in with like the consistency of safety. You know, trying to keep the wild at arm's length. I mean, wouldn't you agree? Well, okay. Robbinsville Zoo, Dawson Cove, the new animal zoo, that other guy out near the highway, what is it, Fountain Inn Zoo? Fountain Inn Zoo. Right, he belongs in Branson. Branson, or Myrtle Beach, I'll give him that. Right, they're tourist traps with $20 t-shirts. I am Atlantic City during Prohibition. I invite the danger, the mystery, the suspense. Are there any of the zoos in the Western North Carolina Animal Preserve that you actually like? Well, I, I don't agree with the way they do business, but Shiva's one hell of a zoo master. Oh, okay. So you're talking about the Continental. Mm -hmm. They've been cited for illegal poaching and handling of thicket species. Right, right. Is that what you're talking about? Well, yeah. I mean, you have to listen to Holly Johnson, the mayor, and McCarter, the fish and game warden, in all this mess. True, in the early days, the government wasn't quite able to catch up with the amount of poaching and selling that we all had to do just to keep up. But, you know, now there's some law, and I have to trust McCarter's order. If I didn't, I'd still be buying leopards out of the back of someone's pickup, right? <laughs> I'm not saying I did that. 
and that business was de destined to end. Though. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Did you, uh, did you did you buy the Forsyth Leopards out of the back of a pickup? Again, this is all total hearsay, and I don't particularly like your accusation or your whatever you're intimating. Okay, but that's something that constantly nags at Johnson and McCarter, the illegality yes. of a large majority of animal transactions. Well, it's it's not perfect. I mean, we're all competing. You can't have seven plus zoos and 30 square miles and not have a very cutthroat competition, let's face it. And sometimes you can slip one through the cracks, you know, if you're really shifty. Most of the time you're going to get caught and you're going to get heavily penalized. Do you think that those cracks you're talking about, it, the cracks in the legitimacy of the beast trade, get in the way of traditional zoo acquisitions? Look, we're always going to be the feeder system to the zoos like Lincoln Park or San Diego. It's just just the way it is. We're the off-Broadway, and they're up in the show in the major leagues. We got a lot of scrutiny. There's a lot of people watching us. They're trying to gauge where our animals are coming from. And those big guys, the rich traditional zoos, they don't have the scrutiny we have because theoretically they're you know more conventional. But if I was throwing shade, <laughs> which I guess I am, think about it, they have no one watching them. I mean, there's no one inventorying their animals. There's, there's no zoo police like McCarter's Animal Inspectors here in Robbinsville. If Mooney the dopey golf cart gorilla hurts his arm, no one comes in and asks, hey, what's going on with his arm there? Well, are you guys gonna fill out a report? They deal with it internally. We got different constraints, but you know, it's because we have different animals too. Now, why don't you go ask Lincoln Park, you go stuff this thing in the guy over at Lincoln Park's face and ask him where he got his llama herd. Well, I don't know that story. Well, well that's one for next time then maybe. I'm certainly not going to tell it now. <laughs> okay. Thanks, uh, Charles, for your candid comments. Any thoughts to end on? Well, we have Dallas in uh, three weeks. we get got San Diego in September, so with any luck, we'll be conducting a much different interview after those. we got a couple of new acquisitions that we'll be showing for Zoo Week. Encourage everyone to come on out. Highway 18 North, exit of Skyway Orchard. Yeah, come down. Thank you. Okay, so you just heard an exclusive interview with Charles Sundrich. Zoo master of the Robin Falls Zoo, talking to Will Wintergreen in the aftermath of Lincoln Park's decision not to move forward with any animal acquisitions here in the Robbinsville area. Now, I've already heard a lot about Sundridge in the short time I've been here in town, but before I moved here, I had no idea who he was. I'd never heard that name before, which makes me wonder why. Did I, did I just miss it, or does it not deserve the type of coverage dedicated to other regional curiosities? I'm a journalist and I had no idea. So what am I missing? Is this place a special well-kept secret? Or maybe it's a, a gigantic joke and no one here understands they're the butt of it. So I think I found my specific can-do for Robbinsville. I'm going to figure out why a casual person in Brooklyn wouldn't know what this place is. And for those outside the thicket that do know, what's the perception of the town and the zoos nationwide? And I'll start with the place that just left. Lincoln Park. I did a little digging, made a couple calls, and found a name of one of the Lincoln Park Zoo buyers who was here in town. I say digging, but it was actually pretty obvious. At the Mountain Springs Brewery, which is a local bar not far from where I live, the names of every buyer got etched into pint glasses <laughs> so that when they, they showed up, it's like, hey, you have your own personalized glass. So Tammy Arlington is going to be my first shot because well, she left her mug behind. Oh, to maintain my journalistic non-partiality, I decided to hide the fact that I was from Robbinsville. 
I don't want to trick her, but I also want to get the truth and I don't want to give her a reason not to tell me the truth. So I told her I was from Brooklyn, which is totally true, listeners. And I also told her I am a doctoral candidate. I mean, we're all candidates, really, right? Hi, Tammy. This is Bryce Derrickson. We we emailed. Oh, hi. Great. Um, good to meet you over the phone. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you as well. Is now an okay time to speak? Yeah, yeah. Great time. I just need to escape a, a loud room. Okay, down. Just down. Okay, okay. Mommy's coming back. Hey, well, thank you for agreeing to get on the phone with me. It's a real pleasure to talk to someone on the subject. Frankly, I've been doing a lot of research, but there's not a ton written about this. So, Really? The zoos? Well, specifically, I've been looking into the procurement of commercial animals. Oh, you're probably not looking in the right places then. Yeah, you're probably right. Which That's why I was hoping to start with you. Okay, yeah, cool. And you're doing a research paper? Right. I'm doing my postdoctorate thesis. On yes, okay. I am stretching the truth a little here. But isn't the moral good of getting to the bottom of this whole thing of a high enough ethical value to justify not being perfectly forthright? Poppy's nodding yes. Okay, so I'm going to thank you, Poppy. I'm taking that as absolution. It really led me to this question about the supply chain and the business of zoos, so... Uh, oh, yeah, sure. That sounds like a good topic, and we can certainly talk. Okay, great. So can you tell me what you do? Sure. I am the manager of development for the Chicago Zoological Association, or CHIZA. And can you explain your job? Yeah, I interface with the zoo community to find out what their needs are, and then I look to fill them. So for some reason, I thought you worked... Uh, specifically with the Lincoln Park Zoo. I do. That's one of them. Uh, we have arrangements with Lincoln Park, uh, Brookfield, Cosley, Phillips Park, Lords Park, and the Washington Park Zoo in Michigan City, Indiana. Wow, that's that's incredible. That's a lot of places to service. Exactly. A lot of big personalities to manage. Each one of those places want the biggest and best animal, but we have to prioritize who's going to pay the most, uh, make the most money out of it, make sure the seller meets the criteria. Well, that's got to be a lot to manage, right? The the zoos sort of competing. So do you deal with tough situations? Like if there's a single animal that they're all jockeying for? Oh yeah. The white tiger cub PJ, just a beast of a decision. Cute little thing that could have gone to three of our six buyers. And we chose one that felt like the right choice, but uh, now we've had second thoughts. Well, I remember PJ being on the news. Um, which zoo was that? We went with Brookfield, uh, but six months later my bosses visited and just thought the whole exhibit lacked imagination. Tell me more about that. The signage was colored in this weird brown color that blended into the wall. The presentation lighting was staged so the cub was only in its best light at a certain time of day. And stuff like that. And the texture of the glass wasn't even anti-reflective. It was cheap, like the cheapest glass you could possibly find. And are, are those typical factors you weigh when you're placing an animal in the right zoo? Like... I mean, it seems to me like those are things that a regular zoo-goer might not even notice. Oh, they notice it all. Even if it's not something that they consciously pay attention to, the form and format of enclosures is a big deal. The four C's for zoo visitors capture, curate, contextualize, cultivate. Whoa. I... I've never heard that before. Did you come up with that? I wish. I'd be the richest person in the world. You know, uh, capture the visitor's attention. Uh, that's more marketing. Uh, curate their experience within the zoo with each detail being exactly right. Uh, contextualize, why is this animal awesome? And cultivate an identity and expectation for the zoo through all the decisions. Wow. I, I love that, though. Um, okay, wait. I'm writing those down. Say those four again. And do you know who made those up? Oh, okay. Um, capture, curate, uh, contextualize and cultivate. Yeah, no, I don't know. It's so basic. I thought you might know that already. Huh. Um, no, I didn't. Um, maybe it could have been a zoo master who made it up. 
sounds like a good commercial idea. Where did you hear that term? Um, Zoomaster? Yeah, where did you hear that? I, I don't know. Is that, is that not a term you use? Have you been looking into Robbinsville? I have. Why? Well, should I not have been? That place is full of crooks, shysters, and scam artists. Whoa. Well, hey, sounds like my kind of place. <laughs> uh, but, but seriously, why do you say that? It is a cesspool of white trash redneck mountain people. Whoa. Wow. I, okay. I have, I, I guess I've talked to a bunch of people there. You know, the zoo, the zoo industry in Robbinsville is huge. Yeah, but you have to look at what's really going on. They have a lot of suspicious natural science happening down there. Well, so part of my research into the supply chain led me to Robbinsville. So I know there are a lot of places, like a lot of other zoos that buy rights to animals there, right? So I, I guess I thought it was kind of like the minor leagues of the zoo industry. Would you say that's not true? Not true. I know some buyers have found success with animals from there, but it's not like the minor leagues. It's like Cuba. For every Yasil Puig, there's a hundred non-Puigs. What's worse is the guys who run the zoos there don't know the difference, and they invent Puigs. So should I leave them out of my research? Absolutely. I actually was just down there, and we saw a lot of shady stuff. Oh, yeah. So I, I heard from people in Robbinsville that zoos come down. So Lincoln Park was just there. Uh, Dallas next month. I think San Diego's in September. Yeah, a lot of the buyers go down there for a pilgrimage. Robbinsville's been able to create their own buzz about it. I mean, Cincinnati did hit it big with the white-legged tarantula, so no one wants to get scooped. But it's dumb, because they mostly sell crap year after year. Huh. Well, can you elaborate on that crap? The the shady stuff, I guess? Because not that I don't agree with you, there is this weird aura of silence with what's going on in Robbinsville. But I think it's kind of hard to argue. There is something interesting happening. Like the, the four cent leopard at Robin Falls. That's a great animal. First off, Charles Sundridge is the biggest swindler of them all. He is the reanimated corpse of P.T. Barnum. Just an asshole of the first order. He's the worst business acumen. Just like a hoaxer. Oh, whoa. She really doesn't like him at all. Uh, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mosey on past this bit since she doesn't know I'm recording the call. Which technically isn't illegal because North Carolina is a state with one-party consent law when it comes to recording communication. But anyway, uh, let's go ahead and save... Tammy, the slander loss. I mean, guys like that should just not wear sandals. Right. Yeah. Wow. Um, that's you have some strong feelings about him, I guess. So you must have known him pretty well. I'm sad to say I did know him very well. Okay. So do you think we were lovers? And it wasn't just sex, it was love. But I was just too much for the master, the zoo master, Mr. I run the zoo. I'm sorry. Um it 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 sounds like You've been hurt, and... I've hurt him. He's the one who's hurt. Okay. So, uh, getting back to the leopard... (laughs) I could ruin him. I could ruin him. Do you want to know about that leopard? Where are you from again? Brooklyn? Yeah. Yeah, Flatbush. No, what school? Oh, Columbia... You tell all your classmates to steer well clear from Robbinsville and Sundrick. He's faking it. The Forsyth Leopard is a creation. Tell everyone. Uh, no, explain that. I don't I don't understand how he could be faking it. Because how, how can he make a leopard glow in the dark? Feed a 150-pound cat enough bioluminescence and it'll glow. Any 150-pound animal. Don't ask me how I know. You're saying that Charles Sundridge is feeding his cats chemicals? I mean, <laughs> that's kind of a, a, a big claim. It's outrageous. If you were a reporter, I'd tell you to check how many shipments he gets from China a week. Yeah, 
I'm not a reporter, though. I'm from Columbia in Brooklyn. I know. Let's just get back on track. Sorry for the, you know, you just can't mix business and pleasure. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You know, I'll be in Brooklyn next week. Why don't we finish this in person? Oh, um, well, you know, I feel like I got a lot of good stuff. Cool. It would be great to meet. I can even speak in your class. That's probably a good place to step out before I get too personally involved in this whole thing. Um, Well, the good news is that I think we answered the question of why Linkin Park didn't buy any animals and why they left so quickly. Mike can do for Robinsville for the day. Let's turn our sights now to another local matter. Much like the big pitch Robbinsville makes on behalf of the zoos, there are smaller animal pitches made nearly every day in this town. When we return, we'll hear from Poppy about a proposed change made by some impassioned students at Robbinsville High School. Stick with us. So, Poppy, I have to say that I am very impressed already by the quality of work you're bringing to the thicket. Thank you so much. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to overstate it. You know, you still need to work hard. Oh, and I still expect okay. high performance from you, but you were just <laughs> knocking out of the park. Oh, my gosh, Mom, did you hear that? It. Yeah, you, Mom, you should be very proud. You're oh. a good one here. So, um, Poppy brought me a tape that I'm excited to play for the audience, but I don't want to spoil it. It's your lead. So, why don't you tell them about this tape? Okay. Um, so, um, cut to I was in the library, like researching my AP English paper, and I noticed. Do you you, you only take AP classes, don't you? Yes, it messes with your GPA if you don't. Anyway, so I'm in the <laughs> library, and I noticed there's just like stacks and stacks of tapes. I'm like, well, what's this? Is this something? And it, oh, it was something because they had recorded all of the, all of the, what is it called? Like the student school board. School board. Yeah, Gosh, school board. I mean, I'm, I'm a little too excited. Um, <laughs> they had recorded all the school board meetings, um, and I thought, oh, that means they probably recorded the laser bat meeting. So I find the tape of the school board meeting from about a year ago that featured a conversation that was very lively about laser bats. And you rushed it to the thicket. I really did. I though. feel like there was a soundtrack playing as you like brought the scoop for us here at the <laughs> thicket. All right, we're gonna we're gonna play this tape from the school board meeting, and I'm gonna bring you in as color commentary. Okay. Will do. All right, here we go. I think the, the, the real yeah, issue is. Okay, no, okay, okay, uh, it's now 7.02 p.m. I'm gonna call this meeting to order. Thank you, Beverly. Roll call, Superintendent Bob Webb. Here. President Matt Naring. Here. Vice President David Reschke. Uh, here. Treasurer Gary Wilkinson. Oh, uh, Gary is out tonight. He's recovering from an emergency root canal, ouch. Well, I just feel like he's had a root canal. Yeah, he's had multiple. Secretary-Treasurer Beverly Wood, I'm here. All right. Thank you, Beverly. Now let's all please stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to... You know, Poppy, I want to hop in here because you explained something to me that I think the audience, uh, it will help the audience, which is the layout of the room. Can you kind of describe that to them? 
Um, yeah, sure. So it's like a real tiny room and there's a long table just opposite the door and that's where the board sits. And they only have like 10 chairs facing that. And you know, by the time we got there, it was all filled with like, I don't know, parents and whoever else is important. Um, so most of us were in the hall and we couldn't really see anything. And it was just, gosh, it was like basically Madison and Donnie and Rachel at the mic. Yeah, how many people do you think you had out in the hall? 42. I know that because I ordered the t-shirts and I had to get um, order them in dozens and I had six left. Do you think that, that the fact that the board couldn't see the whole group affected the outcome? You guys had all the support and, and they couldn't see it at all. Well, yeah, I mean, we really weren't able to present the way we wanted to with our t-shirts that we bought that said laser bats. Oh, they did. You think I just bought random t-shirts? No, we wrote laser bats like out in letters and we drew like bats on them. I was an A. All right, let's, let's get back to the audio here. Okay. Okay, acceptance of the agenda has been motioned and seconded. All in favor say aye. 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 Okay, and all opposed. The agenda passes. So first up, let's hear from the students who have a proposal regarding the school mascot. The board recognizes Ms. Madison Turley. <clears throat> Hi, my name is Madison Turley. I'm a junior here at Robbinsville High School. I love my school and I'm proud of my school pride. But for as long as I can remember, people have talked about the need to change our school mascot. We are here to propose that RHS should no longer be the Black Knights. We have a petition of more than 250 signatures from students and alumni who support our position. See, I was cheering at Balsam for the last football game last year, and this guy in the stands, he started shouting, Hey, Black Knights, do you love that Martin Lawrence movie, The Black Knights? I bet you loved it because it was terrible, just like you're terrible. You guys suck. I'd like to tell you that that was the only time it ever happened, but it's kind of become a thing that's spread to other schools. Like last month in Savannah, some of the kids were wearing t-shirts of a tiger eating Martin Lawrence's head and it said, RIP Black Knights. It's embarrassing because that movie really is terrible. Okay, um, the board would like to quickly point out that the mascot, the school mascot was not chosen because of that movie. No, 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 no. we were the Black Knights for uh, least a year before that movie came out. David, so just, just David, noted things in the minutes. David, you don't minutes. have to speak oh, for no, the board no. in the third person. Thank That's not Bob. actually the only reason for changing the mascot. Um, I'd like to invite my friend and football team wide receiver, Donnie Miller, to talk about the real issues that the term Black Knights is racist. Donnie's in the house, Black Knights matter. What's up, y'all? Hey everyone, I just wanted to say I think being called a black knight is kind of messed up. I don't get why we have to point out the color of the knight. It's kind of like one of those micro things. Uh, Microaggression. Mi yeah, micro, what he said, micro and aggression and stuff. And so, I mean, I can't just, why can't we just be a knight? Why do we have to make it about race? You know, if we can't have a call a team, the, the, the Redskins, why do you think it's okay to call us the black knights? Well, uh, Mr. Mr. Miller, I can pretty confidently say that this is not about race. Uh, though Beverly, uh, for the purposes of accurate minutes, it should probably be no noted that Donnie Miller is in fact uh, 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 b black Af African American. No, no. I noted da that already. David. Is well, Bob, I think it's I'm only not fair to have you notice I'm just saying, you can't just have that without me being a mark down. Okay, okay. thank okay. you. Mr. Miller, please continue. So, yeah, I am black. Yeah, I'm glad you could see that. We noted that, yes. So we... We want to be called something cool that's not racist, something like, uh, 
laser bats. Yeah, right guys? We want to be laser bats. Laser bats. Laser bats. Laser bats. Laser bats. Right now, Bobby, this chant goes on for quite a while. Yeah, in hindsight, that was probably too long. But again, we're out in the hall and we couldn't tell that VP Reshka was so pissed. <gasps> oh, no, you can, it's a podcast, you can say pissed. Oh, okay. Or shit. <gasps> no, it's okay. No, Go I'm ahead. not going to. I'm not going to. Um, well, we couldn't tell that he was so pissed. Um, we were just out there trying to make our voices heard, you know? Oh. Literally and metaphorically. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. That was nice. Thank you. Okay, we're going to cut forward here a few minutes. expect RHS students to follow proper decorum and procedure. And if you don't know what that is, get yourselves a dictionary. Thank you. Ms. Madison. Yeah, um, well, there are actually numerous attributes to a mascot like the laser bats. It is a local animal unique to this area, and it applies speed and agility and flying. I would be proud to wear a laser bat emblem when I cheer so that people know that I support our school with laser-like focus. Oh, and um, by the way, the color should also be black and silver, like black bat, silver lasers. It would look okay. awesome. All right, thank you. You know, Mr. I mean, I'm just saying that those are like really flattering colors. No, thank you very much. I think we've spent enough time on this subject. Thank you so much. Well, we actually have a student petition yes, here. Yes, we have seen the petition. We are looking at the petition. Thank you, Ms. Turley. That is enough. We appreciate, we do, your enthusiasm, but it is clear that you all have not considered the broader implications of changing a school mascot. There is mm, significant cost in rebranding. You have to create new logos, signs, uniforms. The list, well, it goes on and on, to be honest. And frankly, this school is just, we're trying to hang on to the marching band, okay? So no, there will not be spending money on becoming the, the, the laser bats. And not to mention, the laser bats are an unconfirmed species with almost no hard evidence of its existence. Naming our school after them would be akin to, to being the RHS Bigfoots or Unicorns. So I motion to dismiss this student proposal. Second. Thank you. All in favor? <laughs> All opposed? All opposed? <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, sorry, kids. Thank you. Thank you for participating. Man. Hearing that, I guess I feel like it must have been pretty frustrating for you all. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. We felt like we had a lot on our side, and they just blew us off. Hmm. And was there any further discussion after the meeting? Well, there was a threatening announcement the next day. I guess someone drew a laser bat on the bulletin board in the main hall. The principal went off about graffiti being illegal and how it wouldn't be tolerated. But I just want to point out, it was a little tiny drawing of a bat (laughs) literally on a bulletin board. So, okay, whatever. But people talked about it some then, a little bit after that. But... Then no, nothing. Hmm. You know, I mean, it was a lot of work, right, that you all put in just to be dismissed. Uh, And I imagine that being totally deflating. But the thing that that I found myself wondering about listening to it was, I guess, do you believe in laser bats? Because, I mean, I I get that you guys think that they would be a great mascot, and I do too. I think it would be an awesome school mascot. Um, But from the reading I've done, there's a lot of speculation on this animal and a lot of people even locally think it's just a myth. So I'm asking you, Poppy, do you think that laser bats exist? Beats me. But black knights don't.
Well, we're now in episode three of The Thicket and something is clearly working because I am happy to announce that we have our first real paying sponsor. Hooray! Yeah! We're even guests on the show. Take it away, KMC. The Thicket is sponsored by the law firm of Bliss and Bassey. Truxton Bliss and Margot Bassey are attorneys for a new generation of North Carolinians. With over 20 years of solid experience of partnership and practice representing the people of Western North Carolina. Truxton Bliss grew up in Flat Rock and has taken the, that North Carolina soul and squeezed it into his law practice. Be it a brief, a motion, or a contract, Truxton is passionate about his work. He files and he piles it on. Margot Bassey is from Salem, Virginia, but don't hold that against her. As a young girl hiking the Appalachian Trail with her family, she always known that defending this land and its residents would be her duty. Like the mountain peaks of this great state, she'll make sure your paperwork is top-notch and notched toward the top. Bliss and Bassey, with a new local ranks in Robbinsville, serving the good citizen with honor, humility, and grace. Remember them when you have a complaint against a government, zoo, or another citizen. If you're the government and you have a complaint against a citizen, they can also help you. Pick up the phone and call Bliss and Bassey, attorneys for new generation. The Thicket is created by Owen Shiflett, Adam Lane, and Ryan Daniel Dobson. Our sound engineer is Kevin McCarthy, edited by Neil Ross. Our theme music was composed by Andrew Jed. Special thanks to Tiffany L., Michael Weaver, Leslie Cena, Patrick Cavanaugh, Tyler Glott, Alex Smith, and Wendy Weldon. Additional music by Chris Roman, Kelly Reed, and Atrium 59. Next time on The Thicket. Giant bird that flaps its humongous wings with such fervor and violence that it creates thunderclaps. Reputable and entertaining Fountain Inn Zoo had recently been purchased by the Eastern Band of Cherokee Indians of North Carolina. Do not ingest or inhale any byproducts derived from the white legged tarantula, including tarantula tonic. Well, I'm pretty sure that's you, and I'm pretty sure that's not your husband. Um, no comments. I'm progressive, and I don't make a bullshit. bullshit. I could hear the whole phone call, okay? So how about that? How about them apples? Charles Sunrich, what a guy. I mean, that man could sell ice to Eskimos. He's probably bribing the right people. He always promises to knock your socks off, even if it's just shocking off. I give to you the Thunder Crow. Best day ever. Best day ever. <laughs>